How's everyone doing this morning? Was your, I'm doing good. Was your Thanksgiving good? I'm looking around the room. I see some teenage boys. Did um, anybody have turkey for breakfast? If you did, don't fall asleep. I'm going to be looking at you. We had a great Thanksgiving. We went away. We got back. I want to give you guys a quick Missiano update. My nine-month-old son, Luke, is crawling and climbing all over the place. Yeah, it's exciting. Every once in a while, he'll jab me. Um, that's always fun. Uh, Eliana is about to be two, and uh, she just walks around the house singing and dancing, and she puckers her lips up to give me a kiss. It's, it melts my heart, especially when she did something she wasn't supposed to do. She'll pucker up her lips. A little sinner. <laughs> uh, my daughter Elizabeth is, um, well, 323 days away from having her permit, um, so you know I'm counting those days. Also praying that we rapidly develop our self-driving cars as a nation. Um, <laughs> she's right over there. I had to give her a hard time. Um, I'm so proud of my wife, Michelle. She just finished her fourth chapter of her dissertation. Yeah, I'm so excited. One more chapter to go, and she's done with school, um, unless the Lord tells her to keep going, which I don't know what more she can do. And I have two classes left, and then I finished my bachelor's, so... Um, keep us in prayer. Um, we're gonna be praying for all of you. We love you guys. Today I've titled the message on mission. And so turn your Bibles to John, the fourth chapter. Now get this, we're gonna do 42 verses this morning. We're gonna plow through it, a 30,000 foot view with a few drop downs as the Lord leads in the text. Everybody online, we're glad you joined us. Make sure you grab your Bibles as well and turn to John, the fourth chapter. And so on the screen, you'll see kind of the theme, the big idea for the message today. It's we're called to be on mission as a church and as individuals. And so I want you to be thinking about that throughout the message. And the message really will help us to see how we as a church are on mission and how we as followers of Jesus should also be on mission as individuals. And so if you'd pray with me in your hearts now, Together, as we go to the Lord, God, that song, how great you are, it's so true. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Lord, we think of the great commission where you tell us to go make disciples. It wasn't a suggestion. It was direction for us to be on mission in Acts 2, God, we see the way we should live together as a family, studying the word, praying, breaking bread. God, you came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus, you gave your life. You lived on mission so that we could have fellowship with the Father. As Tiago mentioned, God, I just pray now I would quickly decrease that you would increase and that you'd have your way in this message this morning, that you would move mightily and that we would leave changed the way you changed me in preparing this message. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so we'll pick it up in verses one through four. John four, verse one. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea 
and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. And so we'll just pause here. Who were the Samaritans? I know Pastor Mike touched on this a few weeks ago. Um, the Samaritans occupied the country formerly belonging to the tribe of Ephraim and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, the capital of this country was Samaria, and it was formerly a large and amazing city. Now, when the 10 tribes were carried away into captivity to Assyria, the king of Assyria sent people into inhabit the land of Samaria. Now, these people that the king had sent in intermarried with the Israelite population that was still in and around Samaria. Now here's the problem. The Samaritans worshiped the idols of their own nations. They ran into some issues and they believed it to be because they didn't honor the God of that territory. And so get this, from Assyria, a Jewish priest is sent to teach them on the Jewish religion. They were instructed from the book of Moses but they still maintained their idolatrous customs. You see, the Samaritans embraced a religion that was a mixture of Judaism and idolatry. Now, because the inhabitants of Samaria had intermarried with foreigners and adopted their religion, Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were universally despised by the Jewish community. And so just to kind of paint a picture, what I see here is racism. I see hatred because of difference. I see religion that's mixed with idolatry. Is it surprising that then the issue of racism and the issue of twisted religion existed? And are we surprised that it's alive today? Racism and religion that's twisted with idolatry is still existing today. You see, most Jews would avoid going through Samaria. They would go around it because of their hatred for the half-breeds. Now, if you look at the map, or just so you understand, Judea is at the bottom, then Samaria is right above it, and then we have Galilee. It's a straight shot due north. They would avoid it. Now imagine you and I, we get into my car and we take a trip. We're gonna go to St. Augustine together. And the most logical route would be I-95 north, right? But wait a minute. We can't go to Melbourne. We have to skip Melbourne. Now if you're from Melbourne or have family from there, obviously it's not real, okay? But the idea would be that we would go on to the turnpike to go to Orlando to skip Melbourne to get to St. Augustine, completely out of our way. And that's how much most of the Jews despised the Samaritans. They would avoid going the straight, most direct route. Man, that's sad, but not Jesus. Jesus went right through Samaria, the area that most Jews avoided. Back to the story, verse five. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. 
By the way, the sixth hour would be smack dab in the heat of the day around noon. Verse seven, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Church, racism has no place in the heart of a follower of Jesus. This woman immediately was impressed that this Jewish man was talking to her. It was unusual for her to hear a greeting from a Jewish man. Remember, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus was and is against racism. We see the majority of Jews are avoiding Samaria, but not our Jesus. The Bible tells us to love God and love our neighbor as ourself. It doesn't say to love God and love some of our neighbors. It's love God and love people. That's what we're called to do. That's what Jesus did. A few other points. The woman um, is there around noon. It's not a common hour to draw water. Now it's, it's not recorded, but it's possible two things. One, that an immediate need came up. And so she, that's why she went to draw water. Or perhaps she was an outcast from society. More to follow on this woman soon. Also, Jesus was thirsty. Fully God and fully man. Jesus knows what it's like to go through what we experience. Here it is, he was thirsty. Fully God and fully man. Back to the text, we're gonna pick it up in verse 10 and read through 14. So this is Jesus' answer to her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is inviting her into a relationship with himself. You heard that this water, you're gonna have to keep drinking it. Things that this world has to offer will all fade away. But salvation is everlasting. Jesus is offering her into a relationship with himself. This is incredible. Things of this earth, although there's nothing wrong with experiencing life and, and enjoying life, but I'm telling you now, it's temporary satisfaction. 
Christ offers permanent hope and assurance. That's amazing. Now, I know that when we're saved, we're justified, right? And so that's it. No, that's where it begins. It starts at justification. Could you imagine for a moment taking one little sip of water and that being all you drink for the rest of your life? Well, you wouldn't live very long. You see, we need to constantly be sipping on the word of God. We must constantly be sipping on the word of God so that you and I will be spiritually hydrated. Could you imagine going for a run dehydrated? You won't make it. it, it you won't make it. You might, might for a short sprint or a short distance, but if you're dehydrated, you're gonna pass out. You have to be hydrated. And let me just say this too. Just because you're hydrated doesn't mean the run is going to be easy. Just because you're spending time in God's word, sipping on the word of God and you're becoming spiritually hydrated doesn't mean that you're not gonna go through hardship. But what I do know is that if I do have to go for a sprint or run, I'd rather do that hydrated than dehydrated. When you go through life's problems, let me tell you something. It's a choice to draw near to God. And I'm promising you, if you do, he will prepare you for all that you go through. You have to constantly be sipping on the word of God to receive that spiritual hydration. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Make your time with the Lord a priority because guess what? Life will throw curveballs. But I would rather be prepared than unprepared to the best of my ability. Let's see the woman's response in verse 15. So Jesus offers her this living water. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I love this. Look at what Jesus does. He first offers her living water, and then he calls her out for what's going on in her life. He starts with offering a relationship and then the work begins. Jesus didn't hold back from calling her out. You and I shouldn't hold back from lovingly calling someone out, but I I promise you, in most cases, when it starts with relationship, it's received much better when you come out the gate and call someone out. Think about that. There's a proper way, and I believe that when we're spirit-filled, compassion wins in most circumstances. Isn't it great that this is not what happened? So here's Jesus and the woman, and, and he says, hey, I've got this living water. But here's the deal. You're all messed up. This is what I need you to do. I need you to go back, get your life right, 
I need you to go back and fix everything, put it in order, and then when you're ready, come back to me and then I'll give you this living water. No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus does. He says, I have this living water for you. And then he talks about what's going on in her life. And maybe you're in this room today and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I've got so much that I've got going on in my life and I'm all messed up and I need to get this in order and I need to do this and I gotta get this right before I could ever get right with God. Well, let me tell you right now, that's a lie. God is ready right now to offer you that living water right now. He's not, he's not going, oh, oh, you better get right. You gotta fix this, 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 and then you can come back to me. No, he's saying I love you. Here's this living water for you. And then the work begins. Don't leave here today if that's you without talking to somebody after service. Don't leave here. If God's speaking to your heart and you're over here going, man, I'm struggling, I'm doing this, this, and this, I'm not ready. No, no, you are ready. And right now is the time to get right with Jesus. And then the work happens. That's what he did with the woman at the well and that's what God will do for you. Let's see the response that the woman gave when Jesus called her out. It'll be interesting to read together. 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Right here, Jesus drops the mic. And he says, I who speak to you am he. Jesus is proclaiming that he is Messiah. I love that he references that true worship isn't in places. It wasn't this mountain or this mountain. It was about your heart. Worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Worship is from the heart. I was in that back booth listening to the worship team, incredible job, and I'm praising the Lord and I'm having, at that moment, I'm experiencing God's presence because I'm worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Two days ago, I'm 32,000 feet in the air coming back with my family um, and I'm finishing up the message and I've got my headphones on and my nine-month-old Luke is punching me on the plane and I'm worshiping and I'm experiencing God at 32,000 feet because I'm worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Side note, did you know that God flew on American? I mean, he's all places. He's everywhere. It's not about a place, it's about what goes on right here. 
And we have to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth from our hearts, and we need to make that a priority, worshiping the Lord. I wanna pull this point up again. We're called to be on mission as a church and as individuals, and I love the parentheses, yes, this is a repeat. Why am I repeating a point? Well, I'm repeating a point because it's important for us to live out. And here's what I wanna say about this point. God has drafted us onto the greatest team, Team Jesus, yet we never get off the bench. The game is happening right in front of our eyes. Play after play, minute after minute, week after week, month after month, and we never get off that bench. God is calling us off the bench. He's calling us to be on mission. He's calling us to love our community. He's calling us to make a difference, yet we're comfortable right where we are because we look left and right and go, oh, that Christian will take care of it, I don't have to. No, 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 no. Church, it's time to wake up. It's time to get off the bench. Jesus was on mission for souls. That's what it's about. We need to get out there and we need to make the name of Jesus great. We're called to be on mission as individuals. The game is happening right before our eyes. Don't let another play, another second, another minute, another week, another month go by. Get off that bench and get into the game. Make a difference for the kingdom. The Great Commission was not a suggestion. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's for everybody. That's for you, that's for me. God's calling us to do that. More to follow on that in a minute. We're gonna take a little break here from the message. I wanna tell you how we as a church, remember, we're called to be on mission as a church, and we're called to be on mission as individuals. Well, here at Calvary, we partner with several organizations to be on mission, fulfilling the Great Commission. And I just wanna say thank you for giving to the Ministry of Calvary, Port St. Lucie, because of your faithfulness, we're able to fund, support, financially support. These are just some of the organizations that we support, and I wanna just to quickly tell you about them. CareNet. CareNet helps encourage moms who are expecting to keep their babies. This is a critically important ministry. We support them. They have a tough ministry. And I tell you what, it's not just for that side of the house. They also provide counseling for parents who decided to go through with the abortion. They're helping families heal and they're really advocating, keep your kid. This is an important ministry to support. Global Vision Citadel Ministries, we'll talk about them in a minute, um, in a few minutes, but I just wanna say quickly, the family attends our church. God called them to go start GVCM in Haiti. Over 70 churches, over 25 schools, 135 orphans at an orphanage. They're making a difference. They're making a difference for the kingdom. We financially support them um, as well. We have the Joshua Fund in Israel proclaiming the gospel to the Jews. God's not done with Israel. The Joshua Fund is in the trenches making the name of Jesus great in Israel. And get this, 
they also crossed the border into all the Islamic countries that hate Israel. They're in Syria, bringing the gospel. That's hardcore. We support them financially. How about Graceway Village, right in our backyard? A nonprofit organization that doesn't charge for food, that 100% of the donations that come in, the majority of those donations go to feed the homeless, help low-income families. We're financially supporting them. They're on mission. We're helping them to be on mission. How about four kids? Foster care. Some of these kids in this program are ripped out of their homes. Some of them, their parents don't want them. Some of them, their parents are stuck in addiction. Some of them, their lives fall apart. And because four kids is not fully federally funded, guess what they get to do? They get to insert the gospel into the lives of these kids that are going through chaos. And they're so young, they don't know how to process it. And they go into these families and they receive love and they receive the gospel. We support four kids, an incredible ministry. And we support Missionary Flights International. Clark and Marielle, why don't you make your way on up here. While they're uh, coming up here, I just wanna say, um, Missionary Flights International is a missionary organization that flies resources and supplies over to uh, Haiti, the Dominican, Cuba, Puerto Rico, just depends on the need, their disaster relief. We partner with them financially. They take our teams um, over to Haiti. Matter of fact, they'll be shipping all of our presents in a week or two. Um, but the reason I brought them up here um, is because they're not on the bench. They're in the game. Clark has an amazing job at FPNL. He makes great money. He doesn't need to uh, be concerned about his future. And the Lord knocked on his heart and said, Clark, I want you to walk away from FPNL. I want you to become a missionary pilot at MFI. Clark is an elder here at Calvary. His wife, Marielle, is a teacher at CCA. I wanted Clark just to share a minute about what God's doing in his life. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate your uh, grace and uh, giving me the time to be up here. Uh, I just want to, first of all, just give God all the glory for what's happening in our life. Uh, when you give it all to him, uh, he will make a way to make amazing things happen in your own life. Um, I'm just really excited uh, about what God is doing in our life. Uh, really excited to be part of Missionary Flights International. God is uh, a giver. He wants you to do what he's called you to do. If he calls you to do something, he will make a way. He's made a way through all, our tra my, all my training uh, financially and the support of the church, uh, the support of you. So many of you have prayed with me through the last four years of uh, basically redirecting my career from uh, at Florida Power and Light to uh, what God has called me to now, and I'm super excited to get started. And uh, thank you, Matt, for having us up here. Awesome. While well, they make their way back to their seat. Just so you see on the screen, uh, from left to right, Leopold, who's six, Evangeline, who's three, Sebastian, who's nine, Michaela, who's 11, and sitting right down there, so proud of your mom and dad for being obedient to the Lord. That's what it's all about, serving King Jesus, getting off the bench and getting into the game, and that's what this family is doing collectively. So you see their photo, pray for them, and here's what I wanna say. 
We brought them up here because they have left, they're leaving in the process of leaving that financial security because God said go. They're trusting the Lord to take care of the rest. And so maybe, just maybe, you could sacrifice a mocha frappe latte, uh, which is what, five bucks? Maybe you could sacrifice one of those Starbucks drinks and you could make a $5 a month commitment to them. Maybe you could do 10, maybe you could do 25. Maybe God's blessed you abundantly and he's knocking on your heart to support him even greater. Good. That's what they need. That's what missionaries need. That, that, that's what they're stepping out to do. And so I said, as a church, we need to be on mission. And so we're gonna financially support them as a church. But also individually, you can support them as an individual. And so they're gonna be in the foyer after service. Grab their information card at a minimum. Just pray for them and uh, pray about supporting them. This is incredible. He went from, again, this family went from guaranteed income to fundraising. Hey, isn't God good? I tell you what, where God guides, he provides. So I'm excited to see this all unfold for you. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was GVCM. I know I mentioned it briefly, um, but I do wanna say Christmas in Haiti ends today. Uh, there's 135 orphans. Now, each orphan has five shares that you can perhaps invest in. Now, what, what I'm saying is for $35 a month, multiply that by five, $175 a month. Man, I wish my kids only cost me $175 a month. For $175 a month, you can help them with medical, with dental, with clothing, with education, spiritual development, housing, nutrition. This is huge. And trips have been canceled. Assassination, 17 missionaries held captive, two recently released. Um, earthquakes that killed hundreds of thousands of people in 2010, recently thousands of people. This country is suffering. There is no Walmart, there is no McDonald's. They're 300 miles away in our backyard. We could be the church and we could love on others. We're called to be on mission as a church and so we're supporting GVCM. Maybe you could individually be on mission with GVCM, sponsor a child. 35 bucks a month, that's maybe uh, a steak dinner. Sacrifice a steak dinner once a month if you can afford it. And then, perhaps, Lord willing, we canceled our December trip, we canceled our March trip only because right now, God hasn't called us into a hostile zone and right now, it's not stable. But my prayer is that Haiti would become stable so we can go back because not only can you support that kid, but you can meet that kid. They're amazing. Just like our kids here are amazing. So I just wanna say, don't leave without going to see Clark and Marielle at their table and don't leave without stopping by the GVCM table. Sponsor a kid. It's Christmas. You tell your kids all about how we can do for others. That's what Jesus did. He came to serve, not to be served. That's what it's all about. So, Back to the text, we're gonna go back to the mic drop, verse 25. That woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? What did the woman do? Verse 28, the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. 
Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Listen, on the screen you'll see this point. She invited them to hear the teacher. Sounds like a modern day church invite. She meets this man who tells her everything about her life and she leaves what she's doing and she goes back into her town and invites everyone to come hear this man who told her everything about herself. More on the invite in a minute. Notice she leaves her water jar. You see, because she started out on her mission, she encounters Jesus. Jesus has this incredible way of changing everything and she leaves her jars right there. And she runs back into her town to now fulfill her mission, to invite others in her community to hear about this man who told her everything about herself. Listen, she didn't go home and heal for a few years. She didn't go to the local synagogue and sign up for a Bible course. She didn't go on vacation. She stopped what she was doing she was transformed and she immediately went into her town and invited others to see a man who told her everything about herself. I call that relational, invitational evangelism. She went back and simply said, come hear this man who told me everything about myself. Now I have to stop here for a minute and ask you, I want you to think back to the day that Jesus rescued you. Your quote unquote well experience. When you met the Lord and he rescued you, did you immediately stop and go back into your town? Did you tell others about this man who rescued you? Did you go tell your barista or, or did you go tell your barber or did you go tell your beautician? Did you go back and tell your family? Did you tell your friends? Have you told your coworkers? Church, Jesus is coming soon. What does soon mean? I don't know. But I tell you what, I'm gonna live every day like it's today. People don't know the Lord. Are you telling others about Jesus? Are you inviting them to hear the gospel? Church invites are so simple. Hey, I don't know what you're doing this weekend. Uh, I just wanna invite you to church. That's it. They could take it or they could leave it. I don't have to break down Bible verses or preach. I could just say, hey, you, you wanna come to church? Now, now, all those other things are good, but it's as simple as an invite. And maybe you're like, oh, I don't know what to say. What if they have questions? Well, here at Calvary, we wanna invest in you, so we're having a guest speaker come next week. He's gonna speak at all three services, Dr. Frank Turek, and there will be a special conference from 2.30 to 4.15 that you must register for. By the way, I've been reminding each service, the seats are slowly disappearing, um, so register today. He's gonna equip us to defend the gospel. So, so maybe... Maybe the woman didn't go to an apologetics course. Um, she went right back to her town. So just don't, don't get it misconstrued. You can go back and invite someone to church. But I don't know about you, but I think it's good to invest into our knowledge base. And so here's an opportunity for you to come here. Go to calvarypsl.com and register because we have limited space. 
And so we want you to hear um, what he has to say and share. It's gonna be a blessing. So we're gonna go back to the story. I, I promise you we're gonna finish all 42 verses. We're at 31. We're gonna push through to verse 38. And so meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now there's so much in these verses, but I just wanted to highlight a few points. Jesus was on mission. He came to do and he came to accomplish his work. Now you heard him reference four months, right? Because the harvest takes time, right? You plant the seed, you wait, you pray, please come, and then boom, the harvest, right? Jesus is saying the harvest is now. Now. Church, we're the workers. The harvest is ready. Why are we on the bench? People need to hear about Jesus. The woman didn't wait four months to go back to her town because the harvest was ready then and it's ready again today. And I don't know when he's coming back, but I tell you what, we need to live each day like he is. Recently, Michelle and I, my wife, were traveling and uh, as we were going through these different cities, I was praying, I was I was praying, Lord, help me with this message to, to see what's going on in the world. And I saw so many lost people. I saw so many homeless people. So many people pursuing things that are all, sadly, a waste of time. Don't get me wrong, it's good to work hard and to enjoy life, but guess what? It's not coming with you. What's eternal will it broke my heart for the lost. There's power in the church invite. A simple invite can change someone's life. Many of you are in this room today because somebody invited you. Don't take that lightly. I'm interested to see how the Samaritans responded to this invite on the last four verses. Pick it up in verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. Church, we are called to be on mission. 
as an organization and as an individual. Remember the Jews avoided Samaria, right? Because of the half-breeds, Jesus went to it. We need to be willing to go into the towns that others avoid. We need to love others the way that Jesus loved. There's no room in the heart of a believer for racism. We have to use wisdom and follow the Lord's leading. If God were to call me back to Iraq, I would go. I did two tours, I don't wanna go back. But if God said, you're going, I'm going. But if he doesn't, I'm not. And my wife won't let me. But the idea here is that God may call some of us to a hostile area. He might. He might call you to go be a missionary in the 1040 window. Cool. Get off the bench and go when God calls you. Don't wait. Don't miss another play. God may call you right here to Port St. Lucie to partner with Graceway Village. God might call you to be a foster family. Those kids are hurting. They need people who love Jesus to love them and to tell them about the love of Christ. A lot of those foster opportunities, several of them turn into adoptions, forever families. It's a beautiful ministry. God might be calling you to do that. He might be calling you to support Clark and Marielle. He might be calling you to go back there and to sponsor a kid for Christmas. Hey, get this, Calvary Port St. Lucie has lots of serving opportunities. He might be calling you off the bench into the parking lot. Church, we're called to be on mission. We're called to be on mission as a church and as individuals. We cannot be known for sitting on the bench. We can't wait for the other person to do it. We have to be willing to let the Lord do a work through us. We need to be compassionate and honest. We need to be willing to call people out in love. And we have to remember that there's always a root that leads to that fruit. Don't be so quick to write someone off. Don't be so quick to write someone off. Use discernment. It's a balance. I share this and I feel like the Lord's just leading me to, to share it. We're at a restaurant and there's a homeless man right there. And I'm just looking at him and I'm, my heart's just breaking for his situation and I'm like, man, it's a bummer. And person after person just walk by. The Lord's like, hey, give him a sandwich. I gave him a sandwich and at that moment I knew that he had some major mental um, faculties that were off. I wonder what happened to him. A little boy at one point. Maybe he's there because he got himself there. Or maybe, maybe his upbringing was awful. Maybe he was introduced to drugs and formed an addiction. Maybe he lost his parents at a young age. I don't know his story. 
But I tell you what, as person after person walked by, I thought, I wonder if any of these people who are walking by are believers. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that we need to give a dollar to every homeless person that we run into. Why? Because we'd run out of money. But we need to be in prayer. God, do you want me to do something at this moment? I'm called to be on mission. Sure, I can work hard and, and I can do this and I can do that, but all that stuff's gonna fade away. What about the kingdom? You have to use wisdom. Remember, Sometimes you might help somebody that God is allowing things to go bad. You don't wanna interfere with that. That's why you have to be spirit-led, but I'm just saying, church, we gotta get off the bench. People are dying and they don't know Jesus. That's a problem. The harvest is ready, Jesus said it. He ran into the area that others avoided. He offers living water before he even identifies what's going on in your life that needs to change. People need to hear the gospel. I don't know what happened in the life of the woman at the well. I don't know why she was married five times. I don't know why she was living with the guy um, that she wasn't married to, but here's what I do know. Jesus offered her into a relationship before he even addressed what was going on in her life. There is a root that leads to the fruit. Don't be so quick to write somebody off because they're different. God may use you to make his name great. We need to be on mission, we need to get off the bench. We need to invite others to church. Notice what happened at the end of that story. It began with an invite, and then they no longer needed to be a part of that situation because of what the woman did, because they heard for themselves and believed in their own hearts. Paul planted, Apollos watered, and it's God who gives the increase. Be willing to plant be willing to water, and then the rest is up to the Lord. It's not on you, but what is, is getting off that bench and getting into the game and serving King Jesus with your whole heart, amen? <laughs>